They pronounced it dead. Hey, he's dead. And then he rises up, and uh, because he was not yet dead, some of the brethren helped him and brought him back to the city. But think of a man who went through great, tremendous pressure, and yet he says, we faint not. We faint not. Uh, I think of Elijah the prophet. I think of all these ones who served God with great vigor. I think of Esther, the queen, and how she served in such an unusual circumstance with the grace of God. So jump down with me. Uh, to verse 6 before we get into our text where we're going to be today. The Bible says, For God who commanded the light to shine, look at this, say the, say the next part with me, out of darkness, all right? Out of darkness, I love that, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now here's where it gets great. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. There's so much right there to unpack in that verse. But we have this treasure. What treasure? We're going to find out. In earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Any of you have your Tupperwares in your refrigerator? You like to store things in your Tupperwares, okay? I love having those Tupperwares, but there's something magical that happens around our house with those leftovers. After about a week, those leftovers turn into chicken leftovers, okay? They are for the chickens at that point, all right? You say, you feed your chicken, they have extra, extra um, penicillin in it, okay? Uh, but it gets to a point where you go, uh, as a human, I don't know if I really want to eat something that is 10 days old. It might not be molded yet, but it's just... And it gets a point where it starts to taste moldy, okay? Um, and fresh homemade bread has a way of spoiling very quickly. This makes a lot of it, and it's very delicious, but that yeast in there makes that stuff spoil. And about four days uh, to seven days after it is made, if you have not eaten it, um, it is very moldy internally. It spoils very quickly. We think of this passage, it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Bible times, they wouldn't have had the plastic Tupperwares we have. They didn't have refrigeration. Um, in the same ways we have these things. They would have had a cellar someplace down under the ground and they would store these things. It would have been cooler. And you would have put them in a clay vessel. That was the way in which they preserved things, in clay vessels for the dry goods and for other types of items like that. And he says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He's saying it's just a clay pot. What's he referring to? It's us. He's referring to your human body. It's just a clay pot. He's saying... It's going to wear out. He's saying it, it's made out of dirt. Uh, from dust we're made, from dust we will return, to dust we will return. So he says we have this treasure, this beautiful treasure, but he says it's in earthen vessels. And then he says that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I love that part right there. So much in there. Verse 8, we are troubled on every side. But look at what the apostle says. Did you have a tough week, my friend? Look at what he says. He says he was troubled on every side, yet not distressed. He didn't get stressed out about it. Wow, what an example. He says we are perplexed. Perplexed. You say, well, what does that word mean? We're full of so much. So much. Stress. Look at the comparison, but not in despair. There's a type of glass made out of plastic. What's it called? Black sea glass. Black sea glass, right? 
It can move. It can wiggle. You can throw a rock at it, and it's not supposed to break. Unbreakable, right? Everything nowadays is unbreakable, they say. Uh, they try to make stuff unbreakable, but then it's from China, and then it does break. Uh, and so we have this, uh, these things going on in our life, and the goal is that God wants us to, under perplexity, under anxiety, under stress, he says, but not in despair. We live in a world where people are in despair, right? And we struggle with despair, we all do. Um, if you get around enough despairing people, it will just make you go into despair if you're not already in despair. He says, verse 9, persecuted, but not forsaken. Now, we like to talk about our persecution, but we really haven't experienced persecution, all right? Even if you get fired from your job because you're a Christian, that was a very light persecution because you can go somewhere else. People are hiring everywhere because nobody wants to work because the money's good uh, from welfare right now with better paying than working a job. Uh, and so uh, we live in a society in a time frame in which uh, we're really not dealing with persecution like he was, but we deal with some trouble. He says he was dealing with persecution, but not forsaken. Cast down, but he says, but not destroyed. It's like you take a piece of pottery and you throw it on the ground. We all expect it to break into a million pieces and Paul is saying, I go through all these things in life, and he says, I get thrown down, but I'm not destroyed. Why? You say, how do you do it? Are you Superman, Paul? No, he has a super spirit. The spirit of God. Look at it. Always bearing about, verse 10, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered from the death for Jesus' sake. The life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. He's saying, look, as a Christian, you live dead. Verse 12, but death, then death worketh in us, but life in you. Life in you. He's saying, because, Paul says, I live a dead life. I live dead to myself so that you can have life. He says, if I didn't live that way, you wouldn't have life. He's drawing us an example of how Christ has sacrificed and how the apostles sacrificed. He says, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith. Verse 13. We having the same, let's read those three words together, the spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. I love that. There's a spirit of doubt, doubting tongues. There's a spirit of unbelief, my friend. There's a spirit of fear. That hasn't gripped our world. What has? I mean, a spirit of fear. But he says we have a spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. You struggle with fear, meditate on the word of God, the people of faith. Meditate on Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. You say, man, going through a lot of things right now. You say, I feel like I'm going to die. Paul says, Jesus rose from the dead. That same spirit, that same spirit wants to help you today. Isn't that great? I encourage your heart. That same spirit, I love this. Verse 15, for all things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace, like through the thanksgiving, of many redound to the glory of God. There's so much right there, but he says, by giving thanks to God, God gets glory. Is that awesome? He says, you give thanks, God gets glory. By the way, when's the last time you said thank you? When's the last time you said thank you? 
For which cause we, verse 16, faint not. Let's read that phrase together. We faint not. We faint not. Oh, look at that. Isn't that in verse 1? We faint not. Paul says, he continues the thought, right? We faint not. Why? He says, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He says, my body is falling apart. It's like a rusty old car. It's falling apart. He says, but the inner man doing great. How's your inner man doing? It'll manifest itself on our faces. For whether we be beside ourselves, oh, verse, jump to verse 75, excuse me. Uh, look, verse, verse uh, 17. But our light affliction, which is but for a moment, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Uh, this morning, there's one thing we want to grasp from this passage. The apostle had the strength to power through his light affliction. <laughs> Everything Paul went through, he says it was light affliction. He says it was just a little problem, guys. He says it was just a little problem. Look at this, if you would. There's an unlimited treasure that God has provided for you. You say, I wish I had all that treasure. God has provided more than that to us the cattle on top of the hills if we access it through the Spirit. He's not talking about physical riches. He's talking about uh, emotional strength, which, by the way, is a big problem in our society today. Um, God wants us to listen to learn. He wants us to learn to grow and serve Him. It's so easy to faint and grow weary. But this morning, let's look at this treasure. And I tell you, uh, this morning, you think about the unlimited treasure. If the strength is gone and discouragement has set in, then the treasure chest needs to be refilled by the divine supply. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It needs to be refilled by the divine supply. You say, I don't have enough strength. I'm barely functioning. I'm barely getting through the day. It's because you're not hooked up to the eternal treasure chest. And we need the eternal treasure chest in our life. Have you ever tried to live without that, my friend? I have. It doesn't work. And God wants us to live that way. Too many times we try to live the Christian life in our own strength. And we wonder why we fall flat on our face. Uh, you can't have a spirit-filled marriage. You can't have a, a spirit-filled life. You can't have a spirit-filled relationship without the treasure chest of the divine nature within the life. You have this treasure in earthen vessels. This morning, let us look at several thoughts. And uh, this morning, we'll just look at three from this passage. First, uh, the difficulty that leads to destiny. Verse 8 down through 10. Difficulty leads us to destiny. He says, my trouble doesn't, go, doesn't cause me to be distressed. My perplexity doesn't cause me to be despaired. My persecution doesn't cause me to be destroyed. It's opposite. Paul's saying, all this stuff's going down, but he says, I'm still strong. It's an amazing concept. Doesn't they, don't things in life kind of stress us out, right? Difficulty at your workplace uh, drives you to a point of frustration. See, I can't believe, and it's just that we live in the same cursed world, things happen that are very challenging, very difficult. Difficulty that leads to destiny. When I think of this, I think of the Shield family. I thank God for their family serving the Lord in Aruba. You say, that's a vacation spot. So is the Adirondacks, and you live in it, okay? Uh, you live in a vacation spot. You didn't figure that out. Um, people come from all over the world to see the things that we have in our backyard, okay? They come to see Lake St. Catherine. 
come to see Lake George, they come to see this area, they come to see the mountains, they come to drive down Route 22 and go over across Route 30 to go through Vermont, they like to see the leaves. People come from all over the world just to see our little corner. And this family is serving in what we would consider a vacation land. But my friends, there are also poor people there, and it's also a place that is very needy, emotionally and spiritually, spiritually deprived. And they got the shields going there. They went there under-supported, and this year we, we have sought to help them for one year uh, to increase their support, and we are doing that right now to help them uh, through this year. Uh, we decided to do that as a church in January to help them through this year to double their support for one year. And we're willing by 2022 they'll be able to come stateside and raise more support. I uh, try to support all that family on what stateside, normally a family uh, of two, would be supported on just to help them in life. And so they're, they're under a lot of financial pressure. We thank God for the Shields family. And their son, Caleb, they're missing him, of course. Uh, he had to come stateside because of the visa issue so that he would be able to then reapply and get back into the country. Uh, they understand more about that than I do. Um, but we thank God for this family serving the Lord. Uh, difficulty that leads to destiny, my friend. Uh, going through really a, a difficult patch, a difficult season, uh, having to uh, thank God for people who are willing when the expenses of the church get too much to just go ahead and work other jobs. And uh, that's exactly what he has done. And it's part of the reason what's triggered his Crohn's disease even more uh, through these things. And I thank God for Brother Shields and his faithfulness to the Lord and uh, identify much with him. And I thank God for his uh, love and service for Christ uh, in this difficult time. And he's been faithful, and God blessed them, and uh, he's continuing to bless them. Remember their dear family this week, and ask God to encourage them, strengthen them. The little one, Maylen, right there, we thank God for the little one. She's grown up so quickly, and uh, we thank God for this family serving the Lord. Trouble, but not in disgrace. And we thank God for his strength. Difficulty leads to destiny. I, this morning, I want you to see this. There's a bright side to every problem if Jesus is in the midst. There's a bright side to every problem if Jesus is in the midst. Uh, have you ever heard of something called a holy attraction? Okay, God will sometimes take something out of your life because God knows that is the weight that's pulling you down. Whether that be a situation, a job, a person, whatever that is, there's a bright side to every problem if Jesus is in the midst. Um, you look at Jesus' life, you look at Jesus' ministry, there were a lot of problems, my friends, there were a lot of bright sides. And, and the Lord came through triumphant every time. Difficulty that leads to destiny. See, there's a bright side to every problem if Jesus is in the midst. Would you say that phrase together with me? The, the phrase, there is a bright side. Let's say it together. There is a bright side to every problem if Jesus is in the midst. You believe that? If you do, would you say amen? Let's live it this week. There's a bright side to every problem. Paul says, man, I'm going through all this, these things. Um, but you know there's some good things happening. Thank God for that. I'm thankful for that. Next, there's a constant death of self that must occur. Uh, Paul describes this. There's a constant death to self that must occur. Troubled, persecuted, always, verse 10, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. He says, I'm living a crucified life. The life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Wouldn't it have been, from a human perspective, great if Jesus wouldn't have had to die? Think about that. From a human perspective, if the Son of God wouldn't have had to be persecuted, uh, be beaten, have his skin ripped from his face, and his beard pulled out, 
and then suffer for our sins, wouldn't that have been, from a human perspective, a much nicer thing? If Jesus wouldn't have had to suffer. Wouldn't it have been from a human perspective, from our limited perspective, imagine if that was your child suffering like that, wouldn't it have been a much simpler thing if your child wouldn't have had to be crucified to a cross, be nailed to that cross, be dropped into the ground? Wouldn't that have been easier? Wouldn't that have been simpler if God wouldn't have had to do that? You say, it sure would have seemed like that. But no, God had to do that in order to pay the price for our sins, someone had to die, a lamb had to be slain, thank God for the Lamb of God who was slain. And Paul says, in the same way that Jesus died, I bear about in my body the death to Christ. Now my friend, we often live a way where we're happy if others are dying. Just we don't have to suffer, okay? We live in that suffering-free world. Just watch your, uh, we don't have TV, but watch your ads on TV, okay? Uh, if you watch your ads on TV, uh, it's all about, isn't it? All about uh, making you feel good, making life better, uh, making things easier. It's always been that way, and uh, I'm sure those things haven't changed. Do they still have uh, some sort of a vacuum cleaner ad on there, right? If you buy this magical vacuum cleaner, some little Swiffer, it will just fix all of the problems around your house. And it will solve everything. You just buy this magical solution. It's the magical wand. And it will fix your life. Right? Uh, that's the way we live. Easy fix. But Jesus came and died the death. And Paul says, I live a life of death. Always bearing about the dying of Jesus. This morning we see this difficulty leads us to a destiny. And thank God for that destiny. That destiny is a death to self that I might live in Christ. So that Christ might be glorified in our lives. This morning, we also see in the text a faith that will not faint. A faith that will not faint. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith. Who's he referring to? The Holy Spirit. The spirit of faith. My friend, we got a spirit of faith and we got a spirit of unbelief. You can't have the two coexisting in your life. The spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Paul says, we put our faith straight to what we say and what we do. He says it changes the way we live. Uh, we faint not. Everybody has a ministry, and uh, this text builds on this later on in chapter 5, but everybody has a ministry God wants us to be involved in. You say, what is that ministry? I thought we have a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. And you're going to look at that. We're going to see that later on uh, as, as this passage grows. Everybody has a ministry. And that faith moves us to action. And Paul's ministry was the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to God. By the way, uh, it's very difficult to live an unreconciled life. Uh, if it's unreconciled uh, in our home, if it's unreconciled with our family members, it will be unreconciled in the church too. And uh, just mark it down. It's unreconciled in every other area because it's not fixed uh, where it started. If it's not reconciled in the marriage, it will soon uh, not be reconciled in other places. Reconciliation is, uh, I think on reconciliation, I want you to think about it from a different angle. Reconciliation is a self-controlled relationship. Think about that one. So that does... I know that's not the definition for reconciliation, okay? But it's the definition I want you to think about. Reconciliation is a self-controlled relationship. 
Because don't we all have times in our life where we try to reconcile, but the other side doesn't want to reconcile? So it's self-control on our part, it's biting our lip when we're around. If, if we're going to keep things okay, we've got to bite our lip. It's choosing to apologize. Uh, by the way, a mark of a person of God is that they apologize when they, when they speak wrong. Reconciliation. Uh, friend, if we take, uh, if, we, if we talk evil of, of, of the servants of the Lord, we have a, one option biblically. We must apologize to the person for speaking evil of them and not exercising faith. Faith. Faith moves us to action. And, and Paul dealt with this in his life. Faith is believing God to use the present situation for good. Faith is believing God to use the present situation for his good. You say, I don't know why. Joseph, you're down in Egypt. Joseph, he got sold into slavery. He got thrown in Potiphar's house as a slave. And then Potiphar's wife lies about you and throws you in prison. And then you're in prison for years. And then... God, in his miraculous way, sends these two men in. And you get so excited that these men are going to speak up for you before the king, and then they forget about it. One dies, and the other, who goes to speak before the king, forgets. So you're left there, alone and forgotten about. But faith is believing God to use the present situation for his good. You say, how did Joseph do that? Well, because when Joseph's chance came out, my friend, there wasn't a lick of bitterness in the guy's life. That's how you know he had faith. Faith is your ministry. What do you think about that? Faith is your ministry. You say, I want a ministry at Calvary Baptist Church. Exercise faith. Get the muscles of faith moving. That's your ministry. You say, how does that happen? My friend, a lot of people are trying that ministry out. It works great. It's encouraging. It's refreshing. You exercise faith. You say, I believe God's going to use specific person. I believe God's going to use you to do X. And you know what? And God does it. And you exercise faith. And you spoke words of faith into somebody's life. And you were encouraged because you were an instrument of faith. Now the other side would be an instrument of unbelief. We don't want to do that. Faith is believing God to use the present situation for good. It's your ministry. Josiah was a king at age 8. Paul says we have the same spirit of faith. Just as Jesus, verse 14, was raised. He says, knowing that he was raised. He was raised up, Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus Christ, and shall present us with you. Paul says, I know Jesus was raised from the dead. He'll raise you too. He'll raise you too. Where's your faith, my friend? Where's your faith? Josiah was king at age eight. How would you like to have an eight-year-old be your king? Um, right now, I'd like an eight-year-old for president. I, I can think of several right now. But the Bible says to be thankful for your, for your leaders. And so, my friend, we ought to have an attitude of respect, and I seek to. Uh, even though we must be, speak truth, okay? Um, we do have a, a, an individual who is leading our nation who genuinely uh, cannot function during the day for more than maybe 30 minutes, uh, or maybe, uh, really honestly, about 30 minutes to 45 minutes a week is top functioning time. Uh, and that is quite the way to live, especially if you're getting paid $400,000 a year, uh, to function at that type of a level, uh, less than 45 minutes worth of functioning time during the day you can be on camera or anything like that. Um, you have to have everything that you're going to say, but now it's quite a way to live, isn't it? Um, and it's rather comical in some ways. It's sad. But we say, wow, it's so sad. It's so sad what's going on. It's so sad. But my friend, uh, where's your faith? I believe God's going to use this for good. I believe he's using it already the way he speaks well. And I believe God's going to use it for good. 
People of God had to have the faith to trust God to be Messiah, and they did. They did. Uh, and I do trust that God will work through these leaders who, honestly, every one of them who is on the top right now has who is who is pushing everything openly hates God. Okay, the ones that are pushing everything to the top right now openly hate God. But yet, I believe God's going to use them for good. All right, I really do. And you have to exercise faith like that. I I pray that you do. Uh, where is your faith? Do you, do you look down on those who are younger than you? Do you look down on those who are younger than you? Like it or not, young people are the future. Young people are the future. Thank God for Brother Adam Price. Uh, he's leading uh, that ministry, developing young leaders and, and seeking to raise young leaders. He posted a picture just a couple weeks ago. Uh, they paused in the middle of a big construction project to meet down with 12, I think it was 10 or 12 young men. They sat around a the table. They all put up notepads and laptops. And he was mentoring them and discipling them uh, right in the middle of a busy work week, right in the middle of building a big construction thing at their, at their property. He's in the middle of that, but yet he stops and mentors people. And all of the missionaries that I see that are thriving are doing the exact same thing. They're stopping and they're mentoring people, investing in new leaders. Um, like it or not, young people are the future, so we better start building gracious, kind relationships with them. And I thank God for every young person in the room. I'm so glad. Caleb and Abigail, you're in the house of God today. It's great having you in the house of God. It's great having you, Bright and Grant. It's great having you, Gwen and Lucy. It's great having each of you and the unnamed uh, one um, who I think we decided uh, the name for. But my wife has to decide the name, so uh, it's up to her. Uh, she has said Eleanor recently. We'll see if that comes to pass. I don't know. Um, but look, uh, throughout this time, God has used many things to build faith. I think of the faith God has used this year. I think of uh, the passage in Genesis 24, and uh, Isaac's servant was on his way down to go find a wife for Isaac. Abraham's servant goes to find a wife for Isaac. He gets to this place, and he says, I being in the way, the Lord led me. Do you believe God's big enough to lead you? Is he big enough to lead you? And uh, Joseph believed that. When I think of this last year, I think of that verse. Uh, I mean, the way the Lord led me. I know it was directly in reference to uh, the servant and the wife for Isaac. But I tell you, God has led in faith in so many ways this year. Uh, God has brought uh, Brother John to a place of encouragement and using the bridge. And, and uh, I thank God for, I remember just four years ago, sitting on the porch I with you, brother. I remember that. And it was four years ago next month. And we, it was May. And we were just visiting this little town. And we came and we sat down on the porch and had a cup of coffee, I think, right? And I remember that conversation. And then I see how God has built faith over four years. Built faith. And honestly, it's faith, my friend, that has surpassed uh, decades of learning in many others' lives. It is faith because faith moves us to action and it goes about growth. And God has used that faith in this year. God's used them in a powerful way. And I'm looking forward to the next time uh, that you get to preach the word with us, brother. I hope you're preparing and thinking about that. And uh, praying about what God might have you to do. And to share again. What an inspiration. What a blessing. Um, see, I remember those say times when we would meet for discipleship for 24 weeks. And Brother John would come in with a notebook. And he was just like, my friend, eager. I want to learn, I want to grow. He was pouring over the word, memorizing the word. And it's amazing, you memorize scripture, you meditate on scripture, 
and does things to your life. It's just, it's just awesome how that happens, okay? It's like magic, huh? but it's spiritual growth is what it's called, okay? And it happens in our lives. You say, how did that happen? God's word is directly applied. I see other missionaries do this thing, and it works, my friend. And I tell you, this year God has done, uh, once again, a similar thing. And uh, today, of course, we're missing uh, one family with us, but they are they are uh, out, and their son is out preaching today. Uh, this year, God sent Kyle and Kim, and they have diligently brought their entire family and many friends to the house of God consistently this year. Uh, through that family, they brought 16 visitors in the house of God this year. 16 visitors uh, into the house of God. And they have supported and encouraged us in many ways that God only knows. They become dear friends by their love and care. Last October, I took a step of faith to begin mentoring Christian. And it was one of the best investments of time in the very crunch time. God has helped Christian to mature and grow and memorize the Bible. He's memorized all 22 verses so far. We're going to meet uh, tomorrow for, for lesson 23 and then lesson 24. And my, my friend, uh, the depth of the word is so great that it surpasses uh, decades of learning in many other ways. Why? Because uh, when you meditate on the word and you pour over the word and you get excited about the word, a depth comes out that only God can put in there. And I pray that more people will get into that depth of studying the Word of God. It's amazing. The sermon gets great power because of the Word of God. And it thrills my heart this morning that he is preaching the Word of God uh, in a place, my friend, that I couldn't go preach. And my friend, he is preaching the Word of God and God's going to use him today. And God will continue to use uh, his Word in our lives if we will surrender to the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, it's lives that are being changed that gives the strength to press on in the work of God. It's faith that moves us to action. And my friends, we can all have a part in encouraging and getting involved in the work of God. Uh, think about this. How is it possible to have a faith so lifeless that our kids and grandkids don't even want it? Uh, that's tragic. We don't want that to take place. And so what are we going to do about it? You could have a part in encouraging by choosing to have a genuine, sweet spirit of faith. That's a choice. It's a choice to trust God uh, even in the midst of trouble. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. He says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's a beautiful thing. I thank God for it. Thirdly, this morning, we have a perspective that is permanent. A perspective that is permanent. Verse 17. Paul says, uh, for our light affliction. You say, how do I power through all this roughness in my life, all these difficulties? He says it's light fiction. Paul says, it's just a little problem. You say, Paul, you were beaten to death, and you had rocks thrown at you to such a point that they thought you were dead, and they walked away from the scene. And Paul says, no, that was just a life flip. Wouldn't we say that about our life? Most people, we tell that story, man, every time you see them, remember the time I had all the rocks thrown at me? Okay, right? I mean, most people, we tell the story of their, their great trouble. But Paul had a perspective that was permanent. How do you see your future? What do you want God to do in the next two years of your life? Are you thinking about that? I have some dreams, I have some visions, I have some goals. You say, uh, you shouldn't have goals. My friend, you ought to have a little bit of a vision about what you're going to do in the world of God. Uh, you ought to have a little bit of a dream. You ought to have a little bit of perspective. There's a spirit that I believe God's going to give. I believe God's going to work. And look, he's going to use people to think. Very simple. Where is your vision for the next five years? You say, I don't know. Now, too often we're so focused on the past, we can't move forward. 
forward. May God help us to move forward. Uh, where's your vision for 20 years out? 20 years out, my friend, I, I want to have somebody that's been mentored that's right here, that's, that's preaching many weeks. Okay? I want to have a little bit of a vision to develop a leader. But some of you don't have a vision to help right now to help them make that happen. And God wants us to have a perspective that is permanent. Okay? Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's the lights that we leave that God will put in our, in our past, the lights that will follow behind in our footsteps. Who's following in your footsteps? Help others find their way, my friend. God wants to work in our lives. We look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I look at the lives of the families that are going to be reached for Christ. And by the way, uh, you ought to have the vision to reach families and bring families in the house of God. Uh, that's the vision. That's the vision uh, to have families in the house of God. And I want to thank the two families in this church. Thank you so much for your hospitality this week, your thoughtfulness. Thank you for inviting us to dinner this week. Two families, so thoughtful, so kind of you, so considerate of you this week. Thank you for being an encouragement in the work of God. Thank you for seeking to have an eternal perspective. And uh, you know the great thing and refreshing thing is when people invite you over, my friends, they don't want to know the gossip. They don't want to ask questions about everybody else. They just want to say, you know, we love you. We're just going to spend time with you. That's it. All right. Uh, let's spend time together. Uh, we love God. We love His work. And we're just going to try to be an encouragement in the work of God. It's a perspective that is permanent. All right. Um, when we love Jesus, it changes our perspective. It changes our perspective. Too often we look at the things we see around us. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, no. And we're so focused on everything we can see. God says, I want to give you blindness so that you can only see the spiritual. Would you ask God to give you a blindness to the things that are unimportant so that you might see the things that are important? The lives God's put in your path. Uh, let's say church ends today, and let's say you walk out and say a few kind things, Miss Virginia, and you, uh, on your way out, you get in the car, and you pull out on the road, and you start driving home. You enjoy the drive home, matter of fact, and you just, you enjoy seeing all the flowers coming out. You enjoy, you think about that Sunday dinner, hmm, smelling good, right? Whatever you have in plan, whether you're going somewhere or whether it's on the table, uh, in the crock pot, wherever it is, and you, you think about it and you start to feel hungry. As you get near the street to your house, though, you find the road blocked off. And there you find an officer there blocking your street. And you stop and you ask, can I go through? Then he informs you that your house has just burned to the ground. And everything is gone. No more photo albums, no more of your belongings. Your favorite chair is gone, your groceries are gone. You have absolutely Absolutely nothing. As a Christian, that's the only proper perspective. We ought to live as though everything is gone. Too often we live as though everything is still there. And that's why we have so much trouble in our lives. Um, we live for the temporal. Schedule your handyman, chiropractor, psychologist on another day. Don't schedule them to interfere with the Lord and His work. Okay? Uh, work your life around the Word of God. What an excellent verse in our Sunday afternoon Bible study uh, last week. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor, God says, as thyself. In Leviticus 19, verse 18. And today, what an excellent verse in Philippians 2, 14, where it says to do all things without murmurings and disputings. He says, live a life that's pleasing 
to the Almighty. My friend, if those two verses are lived out in every assembly of believers, you'd never have a crowd, all right? The perfect peace. Uh, the perfect peace and in the house of God. Our church needs to thrive and not just uh, barely function, okay? Um, our church needs to thrive and not just survive. And this Bible study has given us the resources to do that. It's put tools in our hands and our responsibility to meet those needs. Who's meet, whose needs did you meet in this room today? Whose needs in the community did you meet today? Often all we think about is our own needs. And may God help us to think about the needs of others and bear the burdens of one another. The afflictions you're experiencing right now in this life are very small in the light of eternity. So I ask you this morning a simple question. Do you have the spirit of faith filling your treasure chest? Do you have the spirit of faith filling your treasure chest? If you do, it will power you through the light affliction serving Jesus. It will power you through these light afflictions. Paul says, think of small trials. There's a little thing. Man, he says, them. not a big deal. Think of our problems in life. They often do seem like mountains, don't they? But God says they're little in light of the faith that comes from the faith of a mustard seed. Is faith filling your treasure chest? It's the spirit of faith. And my friend, when the spirit of faith fills our life, it dynamically changes our life. Um, just a year ago, uh, well, not even a year ago, it wasn't in November, uh, October last year, God brought a new friend in my life, and he's been a big encouragement. And I thank God for Brother Bill Hunter. And I wanted to, uh, I asked him, I said, Bill Hunter, I said, I know you love us and you love churches. He loves churches and he's helped so many churches. He helps so many pastors right now. He's, he's mentoring and encouraging over eight pastors, um, I believe, as of right now. And uh, this year has literally just thrown so many preachers right under the bus. He's been an encouragement to help so many ministries. And we thank God for this brother and his ministry of encouragement. Um, and he's been such an inspiration to so many, so many churches and helped so many leaders. Uh, we thank God for him. We thank God for his faith. We thank God for him and your wife serving the Lord as an uh, assistant pastor. He also uh, works a part-time job as a, a nighttime manager at Walmart. So he has a very strange schedule that keeps him up in the middle and he always makes time to meet. He always makes time to meet. And he's an encouragement to meet by which video. It's always an inspiration to help. And then this morning, uh, I asked him to share with us a, a little word. And it would be an encouragement to us. We thank God for him and his faith. He has he pastored the church for many years now. He works as an assistant. And uh, thank God for him and his dedication to Christ. And so I'd like to take a moment uh, to hear a word from Brother Luke Hunter and encourage our hearts. Help us to Corinthians, I believe, chapter 3. And so let's listen together as we finish out the service this morning. 